Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Greetings, tomatoes. I'm Cheryl Benton, your host of this happy hour episode, and you are in for quite a ride today, so fasten your seatbelts because we are going to be talking to Dr. Fane Fry, a board-certified dermatologist who has just written a book debunking everything we thought we knew about skincare products, and it's called The Skincare Hoax. How you're you're being tricked into buying lotions, potions, and wrinkle cream. She also has a fabulous website, fryface.com, and that's F-R-Y-F-A-C-E.com, where she helps educate consumers on how to choose the safest and most affordable skincare products. We love that. <laughs> Dr. Fry received her medical degree from Wild Cornell Medical College, and she's been featured in several media outlets, including Reader's Digest, NBC, CBS, among others. So welcome, Dr. Fry. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. I I am so excited to be here, and and your book is just such a service to all of us. Talk about educating us. So I know, like many people who are listening right now, I have a cabinet in my bathroom, and it is filled with all kinds of creams and lotions and anti-aging creams, lotion serums, anti-wrinkle creams, night creams, day creams, eye creams, you name it, exfoliants. I mean, the list goes on and on. And of course, they're all sitting there because some of them I use, some of them I probably haven't used in, in eons. And then we all sit there saying, well, I you know, spent all this stuff. So now do I actually see any difference going on here? And you had a quote in your book that I just absolutely loved. And you say, like unicorns, mermaids and tooth fairies, anti-wrinkle creams and other anti-aging products are fairy tales. We love to believe in them, but little science proves any of them are real. <laughs> so before we get to all of this, and there's so much to discuss, I first want to want you to tell um, our listeners about your background, which is very interesting, and your mission. Sure. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, I've been a board-certified dermatologist for decades, three decades. Uh, I love the skincare industry. It's a great industry. It makes really great products. Uh, but Cheryl, these same companies that make these great products are also the same companies that uh, use disingenuous marketing and create demand and, you know, they want everybody to buy, buy their products. So they're, they may, although they have a great aspect to them and I, I love the industry, there's a, a side of the industry, which I, I don't have favor with, which is the marketing side. And um, so I'm trying to educate the consumer. Um, as you know, skincare companies advocate for themselves, right? It's a business. They have shareholders. They've got to make their shareholders happy, which makes sense. It's a business. 
the media advocates from the media. They love sensationalism. They want to get people to watch so they can sell ad dollars. And unfortunately, nobody's advocating for the consumer when we cosmetics, which we'll talk about, um, it, it's really pretty much a blind item. People don't understand the ingredient listing because it's a chemistry and the average consumer doesn't understand isopropyl myristate and triethanolamine and propylene glycol. So, you know, the average consumer doesn't understand what's in the bottle. Um, so they have to just look yeah, at the, yeah, fo- you know, the sure. front of it. So I put it all together. I have a great industry making great products, advocating for itself. We have media advocating for itself. We have the consumer who's confused and overwhelmed and doesn't understand the product. So I thought it was time to advocate for the consumer. And I put it all in this book called The Skincare Hoax, which I am thrilled that you enjoyed. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so very, very well done. And I know that you also, in addition to being a dermatologist, you also have a background in chemistry, right? So that you've really spent years looking at what these ingredients are, which as you said, the rest of us have no idea. I can't even pronounce most of them. So yes. I think uh, that that lends another whole level to, you know, what, you know, what, what you're saying and what you're advocating for too. So the beauty industry, which we know is almost a half a trillion dollar business, and it really has done a remarkable marketing job. And I have to say, as someone who spent most of my career in the New York City ad agency business, being one of those marketers, uh-huh. not necessarily in skincare, but in many other products and coming up with with messages that would persuade consumers um but they've really done a remarkable job with this messaging which i take great umbrage at because it's not just the skincare industry it's all media and really how they look at women as we age that really that it's not okay to look older as you grow older and that has led us to all thinking we need to do you know all kinds of things to find the fountain of youth and they've sold us all kinds of anti-aging products and i know you've said that those two words anti-aging are absolutely brilliant because it gets everybody's attention when it's it appears on you know the front of any kind of product label and we really have been lured into this promise of looking younger getting rid of wrinkles all these, all these, uh, these claim, claims like nourishing our skin, and that's just one of the many myths that you debunk in in your book. So tell us about some of these myths. Let's start with the nourishing thing. I don't think there's a jar you pick up that doesn't say it's nourishing. What it's nourishing? Yeah, that's a good one. So the top layers of skin that you touch, or the top twenty layers, are. They're functional cells, but they're not living cells, right? A cell, if you have basic uh, biology, a, a living cell has a nucleus and a cytoplasm. Those top 20 layers don't have a nucleus. They're just not functional. It's a skeleton of a cell. It is functional. And its most important important function is to help maintain water ba- the water barrier and water, water balance in the skin. So there's no way to nourish tissue that's not living. I mean, that's just, um, you know, it implies to the consumer that it's feeding the skin something good. Um, and the skin is a, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful barrier. You swim in the ocean for hours. Nothing goes into you. Nothing comes out of you. Things don't pass so readily. So you have this great barrier. Um, the skin is not living and there's just no way to nourish this tissue from the surface. Um, the way that the marketing term is being used, the, the word nourishing, but you mentioned before all those aging issues and anti-aging and age-defying you were in 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 uh, in advertising. 
I've got to tell you, marketing is powerful. And marketing of certain words, and in my opinion, the term anti-aging, Cheryl, is by far the most brilliant marketing term on the planet. Science, and there are scientists at AFAR.org, the American Federation for Aging Research. We don't even know what causes aging, yet alone have found any particular product, ingredient, compound that can reverse the aging process. It has yet to be discovered. So I'm not quite sure even what this word anti-aging is supposed to mean on a cosmetic. I, I, I honestly don't know. It's a very powerful word. It's a very effective word. And like you said, the marketing has made women feel inadequate and so we 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 earn you know we yearn for these products that i think most women know they bounce from product to product to product and they don't take 20 years off your life and that's why we are where we are here i think exactly so what are some of these other other myths and i know you have a very funny section in your book where um you go through uh, a skincare routine that a lot of women go through with like all those products I have in my cabinet, but they actually use them. <laughs> and all these things like, like we have to exfoliate, we have to deep clean our pores, we have to polish our face. So what, what do we, what is with this and what is true and what's not? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. Let me explain this to you first and foremost. These products that you talk about, all of those products, the, the even the cleansers and the night creams and the day creams and the toners and the serums and the astringents, we can go on and on and on. These are cosmetics. And by law in this country, the, your, your listeners should know, by law in this country, if you're a manufacturer and you design a product and that product intends to really change the structure or function of any organ, but in this case, the skin, by law, that product is a drug. And as a drug, it has to go through the FDA and get pre-market approval. It has to prove safety. It has to prove efficacy. Right. If your product that you're making in your kitchen or in your, in your factory, wherever you're making it, if the intent of that product is just to adorn, like lipstick or adorn any other color cosmetic or um, even moisturize because it's a temporary increase in hydration. So you go from a, a raisin pump water until you have a grape. I guess that's temporarily anti-wrinkle, but it does adorn the skin. Then it's a cosmetic. So the products themselves, these all these products that you talk about, the intent of these products is to not to change your skin uh, permanently, the structure or function. It can't by law. So manufacturers are actually limited as to what they can actually put in those products and what the intent of that product is. So that's uh, that's why a lot of these products, you know, in my opinion, they're fun but they're not necessary. I always say it's like an ice cream cone. You know, you put sprinkles on an ice cream cone. It's fun. It's colorful. It's playful. Ah, it's fine if you like sprinkles, but it's not going to change the nature of the ice cream cone or the ice cream. It's just fun. And that's how I equate all these products. They're fun. And a lot of them are basically also manufactured like a moisturizer. So you could have a great night cream. You asked me another myth. Yes, the night let's cream talk versus about, the day cream, yeah, right? Let's talk about that night cream, right? If it's made in Australia and you put it on a plane and you bring it here, it's 12 hours later. Is it like, you know, if you work the night shift, do you need a day cream? I mean, like, how does that work? <laughs> right? Well, so, and, yeah. and you've looked at the day creams and night creams, right? And 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 you you have an interesting section where you go through the ingredients and it's basically the same Sure. Product, right? By the same manufacturers that's put into a smaller jar and they charge us more money for it. Yes, night creams are oftentimes it's the very similar ingredients. It's they're formulated like moisturizers. They're often thicker, 
women don't like to put thick moisturizers on their face in the morning if they're going to then apply makeup. So they would use a thicker product at night. There's also no sunscreen filters, right? There's no reason to put a sunscreen in a moisturizer if you're going to apply it at night. But there are plenty of day facial moisturizers that don't have SPF in them, and they're formulated very much like the night cream. So that's a, you know, that's a funny one, the night cream, the whole idea that, you know, when daylight savings time comes and we shift the clock, you know, is that going to, is that going to throw oh, yeah. off? Oh your, my gosh, your... I better get my night cream on now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to put it on an hour earlier to fix that one. I, I don't exactly. know. It's just the whole thing doesn't make any sense. And what about the eye cream thing? Is that another? Yeah, that's also, need? of course, remember it's a cosmetic. It can't really change the skin. Um, it's a formulated like a moisturizer, same thing. And honestly, if you have a facial moisturizer and you know, if you can't put it right around the eye, you shouldn't be putting it high up on the cheek. It, it's really just a moisturizer. You, you don't need an eye cream. It's it's just another product that uh, it's another sprinkle on the ice cream cone. You don't you yeah. don't need it. So tell us a little bit about the skin because you do a really good job in your book to explaining how our skin gets moisture and the lipids and all of that good stuff with you know just sort of a top line so people actually understand how the skin moisturizes itself. I yeah, guess. no, it's That's a great question. Thing. It's a great question. So those top 20 layers I talked to you about, those non-functional layers, they're they're like a brick wall. And the cells are the bricks. And each brick is surrounded not by mortar, but the mortar in the skin is fat, which is why you're waterproof. It's why you can wash your hands and water just falls right off you. So you have fat surrounding these non-functional cells. I'm sorry, these non-living cells, they're very functional. And each brick has tiny little um, compounds in them. We call them humectants. Uh, they actually are, they act like sponges. They draw water into the surface of the skin from the deeper layers. You know, men, men in particular, very rarely moisturize, or a lot of men. But when you feel their skin, it's still very soft. It's because the skin moisturizes itself, right? We're not chipping and cracking and falling onto the sidewalk when we're dry. The skin really can do a really good job at moisturizing itself. And, and this is how it's done. It's done with those outer, you know, those layers, the very surface layers with the fat that's surrounded by the cells and these sponge-like compounds that are in the bricks themselves. And that's really how the, that's the basic anatomy of a skin, surface of skin, how it hydrates. Um, and it does do it by itself. A good moisturizer, you create a, a film so that water can't leave the skin. Moisturizers don't add water to the skin. Moisturizers prevent the water from evaporating. As great as the skin is and as well as it's designed, it's not perfect, which is why in the summertime when it's very humid, right? We have a lot of water in the air. Everybody has no problem with their skin. In the wintertime, like now, when the air is really dry, as good as the skin is and the system is, it's not perfect and water does leave the skin. And so you get that, uh, you get that flaking and scaling on the skin surface. Um, and that's why it's good to moisturize. Well, that's a great, that's a great explanation that I think a lot of us have never really thought about. So I know you suggest a very simple skincare routine. Well, before, actually, before we get to that, what is the definition of healthy skin? Let's start with that. What's your definition of healthy skin? Well, healthy skin is skin that's optimally functioning. It functions its best. Remember, the skin is an organ right? It's the greatest barrier to the environment. It protects against bacteria and mold and fungus, all the microorganisms. It protects against allergens, so you don't have reactions. It protects against the sun's ultraviolet light. So healthy skin to me is functioning optimally. Um, and to do so, it needs to be hydrated. Um, and I, in my opinion, the healthiest skin is also the finest appearing skin. It looks good. If right. it's at its, at its best, it's going to function well and it's going to look good. So that's uh, that's my definition of healthy skin. 
And you have ways in your office too, where uh, you you have tested different moisturizers, right? And you have some device, which I can't pronounce the name of, to, is it to measure the moisture or explain that to us? Because that was very interesting how you've done some of your research. Yes, I um I don't sell any products. I should tell I should tell yes, you, and I don't represent any skincare yeah. company. I I don't take a dime from them. What I have in the office is a machine called a corneometer, and it measures the amount of hydration in the skin. So when a, a, a patient comes in, we can measure how much hydration's in their skin. We give them two products to use on each forearm for the week. We have one use product A on the left arm and a separate product B on the right arm twice a day, like they would normally use their moisturizer. And then they come in a week later and we met, we measure again how much hydration is in the skin. So we're measuring which products actually work. I'm, right. I'm finding the, the moisturizers that are effective. And we also ask the users whether they like the user experience. Do you like the feel of it? Did it go on well? The slip, the put, these are all words we use to describe the actual product user experience. So it's important to like the product, but to me, it's as important that the product works. Yeah, and in doing this, you you have you found differences between our drugstore products and our very high-end? skincare products or someone who's paying you know maybe twenty dollars for something in that jar at the drugstore aisle versus walking into Bergdorf's sure. cosmetic area and having one of their people coming up to you and saying oh you need this cream and it's you know two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars before you leave the store are there is there a difference there's no difference matter of fact there's absolutely no correlation between what we find as far as what we pay for the product and how well it works um, the packaging is usually nicer on the expensive ones. And many of them have a big marketing kind of conglomerate behind them, which you're paying for in the price. Um, a lot of the expensive products also have fragrance, which is not necessarily bad for the hydration, but it is fragrance is probably one of the most common causes of allergy to skincare products. So I don't necessarily recommend fragrance products, uh, especially on the face. Um, it is a preference if somebody doesn't have an allergy and they like it, it there's nothing wrong with that. But right. to answer your question, there is no correlation between what you pay and how well a product works. Well, I hope everyone is really listening to that, to that <laughs> message right now. And you've done us all an amazing service. Everyone listening, you must go to fryface.com because when you go in there, there's a little questionnaire about, you know, kind of your preferences in a moisturizer. And then it comes up with a list of the real product names that we know. And I think every one of them you can find in your in your local drugstore and of the ones that you really recommend that 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 do the job. And I think that is terrific. And again, I just want to emphasize that you don't get paid by any of these companies. You are doing this as an educational service for us. And for that, I thank you. And I think every other woman out there should be thanking you too. So thank now you. I want to get back to what you basically say, there's th only three things you need to do to, to your skin and maybe not even those three things, but tell us what the three are and then the most important one. Well, I'll th let's start with the most important one because there's one thing you really need to do and that's sunscreen. There's no doubt in my mind. Now keep in mind, sunscreen in this country is um, regulated like a drug because it's it's um, touted to prevent skin cancer. So if it prevents or treats a disease in this country, again, that the law says it has to be a drug. It gets pre-market approval. It has to prove efficacy and safety or something similar in monograph form. But 
It is a drug and sunscreen by far is the most important product to prevent sun damage, uh, primarily from the sun's ultraviolet rays and also skin cancer. If the damage and the wrinkles and the pigmentation and the blood vessels doesn't get you, you'd think having skin cancer might. So I can only tell you my first most important product that I told, tell everybody they really need to apply every single day, 365 days a year on all exposed surfaces, it's sunscreen. Well, that's a really that's a really big message for all of us. And I, I happen to grow up in the generation, I think it was really before uh, sunscreens, but <laughs> I was a generation of teenager. We went to the beach and we oiled up with baby oil and sure. then we used those god-awful reflectors. Yeah, with the and eye and the every young woman who's now listening to it, you know, and then I wondered a couple of years ago why I was getting these dark spots on the side of my face and my dermatologist said, well, you know, that was uh, that's some dam sun damage. <laughs> I mean, if you knew at 16 what that could eventually cause you probably would. So sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. So let me ask you this. If you've already had the damage, yeah. like some of us, can sunscreen help? I mean, I mean, yes. I know going forward, but can it sure. help with what you already have? Can it help with fine lines, wrinkles, spots, sunspots? Yes. Remember the skin is dynamic. It's an organ. Skill cells are always sloughing and new ones are being replaced. So Yes, the answer, and there's plenty of research that's now showing sunscreen application can actually improve the appearance of skin over time. Um, and it, to answer your question, sun, sun exposure is cumulative. It just keeps adding up. Um, you know, my analogy would be cigarette smoking. If you, you, you smoke and smoke and smoke and do damage to, the, to the, you know, the lungs and someone gets, God forbid, lung cancer, and would you tell them to keep smoking? No, it's, you, you, you've got to stop. The lungs, the cells are clearing out and they, they refresh and so you stop and, and, and that's the same with, with sunscreen. You know, the, I always, I use this analogy. Dentists have done a great job at telling, telling us that we need to brush our teeth every day. We don't get up in the morning and say, you know, what am I having today? Am I having pasta? Do I need to brush my teeth? <laughs> you know, you just brush your teeth. It's just what you do. Right. And that's what sunscreen needs to be like. You don't look outside and see if it's cloudy or rainy because it might be sunny at one o'clock. You get up in the morning and you brush your teeth, put your sunscreen on your exposed surfaces, which really this time of year in New York anyway, you're talking the face, the ears, maybe the neck and back of your hands. I mean, we just don't have a lot of skin exposed. So I encourage people, it can help you to answer your question on a daily basis, even moving forward. Well, I, you know, that's the, the one big takeaway that I got is to be just much more religious about using that sunscreen. Because I have to say in the wintertime, I'm not particularly good at that, but I am from now on, I promise you. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. And well, I want to talk about some of the sunscreens you like in a minute, but there's a couple of other things. Let's talk about face washing. Do we need the exfoliants do we need uh the facial cleansers what do, do we need those um there's so many devices now that you can use to you know that cleanse your skin and get everything mm -hmm. out of your pores what what's the real deal with that okay so we need sunscreen that's number one number two if your skin is dry remember optimal healthy skin has adequate hydration when that when the skin is hydrated and there's a lot of water in the skin or plentiful water the little enzymes in the surface of the skin break the little bridges that hold the cells together and the skin desquamates on its own beautifully. When the skin is dry, those enzymes don't work so well. The skin little cells hang on and the skin appears flaky and dry. So to have optimal skin, healthy skin, 
The skin needs adequate hydration. And I would tell you, if you see flakes and scales on your skin, you should moisturize. And I suggest twice a day in the morning and at night. And in you know December, January, February, most people in the Northeast probably should be moisturizing. Why? It's good for the skin. The skin functions best when it's hydrated. So I say moisturizer because when the skin is dry, you need to moisturize. In the Again, in the summertime, if you don't need the, the moisture, if the skin doesn't look dry and it, there's no scales, you don't need to moisturize. There's no science that shows adding extra moisturizer to already hydrated skin is beneficial. Hmm. So my second favorite product is moisturizer if and when the skin is dry. You mentioned the uh, cleansing, my third ingredient that I would have on the shelf but uh, or on your vanity, but I'm not going to tell you you have to have it. And I'm talking, Cheryl, about healthy skin. I'm not talking about people who have inflammatory skin disease or acne, right. but women with healthy skin. There is no science that shows you must use a cleanser on your face. And I did a survey of about 500 women. This was probably 10 years ago. And half of the women only used water on their face. I'm one of those. I never put cleanser on my face. I use water-based makeup. By the end of the day, my makeup's wiped, washed off. Um, I go to bed. After I shower, I just put water on my face. I go to sleep. I never put cleanser on my face. If you wear oil-based makeup, I tell women, you might want to use a mild cleanser or else you're going to get schmutz all over your pillowcase and you're going to have to do a lot of laundry. So if you don't want to do a lot of laundry or you don't want a schmutzy pillowcase, go ahead and use a cleanser. But aside from that, you don't have to use facial cleanser. There's no science that shows it's good for you. It's beneficial. That is, uh, that's another eye opener too, I think, I think to most of us as well. So mm -hmm. what about, I want to talk a bit about some of our uh, kind of the old school things that some of our grandmothers use. Like my grandmother, I always equate the smell of Noxzema with my grandmother who used it all the time. <laughs> and by the way, she had really beautiful skin. And I remember yeah. not so long ago talking to this woman who had said she had just turned 80 something and she had the most beautiful skin. And I said, what do you do to keep your skin looking like this? And by beautiful skin, I don't necessarily mean she didn't have wrinkles or she didn't look like she had just that beautiful look to her skin it was glowy it was you know whatever mm -hmm. you say and she said uh petroleum jelly of course so <laughs> tell us about some of these old school things do they actually do anything and uh what's your uh, thoughts there yeah well i can tell you noxema has gone through some formulation changes but it's a water-based product noxema it has oils in it if you look at the current day noxema most of their their original deep cleansing they have multiple products but the original deep cleansing one um, it's, uh, it's a water base. It has a lot of oils. I think eucalyptus oil. The thing about Noxema is it has camphor and menthol. Menthol just is added to products. It gives you that little, um, that little sensation of, uh, that tingling sensation that menthol gives. So if some people like it, um, in full transparency, I've never tested Noxema as a moisturizer. So I don't know how well it works as a moisturizer, but being that it's a water and oil emulsion, I imagine it's going to moisturize fairly well. Um, Pond's cold cream is the other one. Now, this is yeah. a little different because it's not a water-based product. It's a mineral oil-based product. So we have an oil product where they add a little water. And um, it also has waxes. It used to have cerecin, which is a, a wax, a beeswax. I don't know what the current formulation is, but it's basically an oil-based product. Uh, and it can cleanse. Oils remove. It's a great cleanser. So it's just you can cleanse with it. It's got all these waxes, which creates a film. So it's probably going to moisturize really great. 
So it's a great moisturizer. That's and, and these products are affordable. Um, I have nothing against uh, either of them. It, my preference would be Pond's Cold Cream, only because I'm not a big fan of camphor and menthol. But that's just my own personal, my own personal the petroleum preference. jelly. What about that? Petroleum jelly is a fantastic uh, occlusive. Um, it probably prevents 98% of all water being lost from the epidermis from those cells into the environment. Wow. Um, there's a new trend out called slugging. Maybe you heard about it. Yeah, women are putting Vaseline all over their faces at night, and and that's fine. It's a little too greasy for me, uh, so I'm not a fan. But if you have really dry skin and you don't mind the feel or the or the grease found on your pillowcase in the morning, there's certainly nothing wrong with uh, with that. Um, it's not a bad not a bad you know exercise. Yeah, I've actually been doing that recently on top of my night cream, <laughs> my day <laughs> night cream. It's the same cream now after reading your book, but. Um, you know, I just put a thin layer and I do find when I get up in the morning, especially now that, you know, our skin gets drier, it's, it's just, it, you know, my skin feels good in the morning. I just, yeah. Petroleum jelly is a great product. I think it's the most versatile product on the wow. market. I mean, you can use it for, you know, your eyebrows, if they get run away, chafing, if you have a cold, you can put it on your lips as a, as a, as a, you know, a gloss, you can use it in your earrings. If you're having a hard time getting your earrings in there, in the ears. Um, you can put it on your nails to moisturize and harden the nails, rough spots, elbows, knees, wow. feet, dry, cracked heels. That you know that petrol autumn jelly is it's fantastic. I think and everybody it costs should hardly have a anything, right? Yeah, it's cheap. Exactly. <laughs> we better start. We better stop saying how great it is because they're going to figure <laughs> out how to make it anti aging and put those prices up. <laughs> so I have to ask you now about like ingredients and trying to figure out when we're looking for a moisturizer what to do. I actually pulled a jar, one of the jars out of my um, my cabinet of the many things there. Uh -huh. but in your book, and I know I'm not going to pronounce this wrong, you said something about hyaluronic acid. You actually like moisturizers with that? You well, you remember those did. little, you remember those little sponge-like um, compounds in the skin that draw water and hold yes. water onto water. Okay, so high, a good, a well-formulated moisturizer is usually water, and in the water we have ingredients that actually hold onto water. They're called humectants. The most common one is glycerin. So I like to look for products. I like to see something like glycerin. Um, it holds onto water. But a more expensive um, high, uh, humectant is called hyaluronic acid. And it holds onto a lot of water as well. The problem with the marketing of hyaluronic acid is hyaluronic acid is a natural component of skin. But it's a very, very large molecule. There's no way it's penetrating all those layers of skin. Remember, it's got to get through those 20 top layers of non-living right. functional cells. It's got to get through another 60 to 80 layers of living functional cells. It's got to get through a basement membrane down into the dermis where the wrinkles are forming. There's no way that hyaluronic acid is penetrating through all those layers. It would be like a Mack truck getting through your kitchen door. It's not happening. So the marketing of hyaluronic acid is use this. It's good for your skin. Your skin has hyaluronic acid. It's good for the wrinkle. Well, none of that is true. It is good for the product itself because it's a good moisturizer component. And, but the problem with it is it's very expensive. It's probably 100 to 200 times more expensive than glycerin. So in my opinion, I prefer the glycerin because it's just a much cheaper ingredient. So yeah. the cost of the product would be less. So this one now sounds like I got a deal because I like to shop the beauty aisles of TJ Mack at Kit Max, occasionally, <laughs> which is where I found this particular one. So I didn't pay a lot. But it calls it a brightening moisturizer and that it has vitamin C and high, the hyaluronic, hyaluronic acid. acid. Yeah. 
at which it said, well, well, hydrates to reveal brighter looking skin tone, but reading the ingredients, now that you said, it does have water listed as the first thing. It yeah. has glycerin, it's got cocoa, then it's got a bunch of things that I have no idea, I can't even pronounce <laughs> them, never mind know what they are. And then yeah. somewhere along the line here, it talks about the hydro blah, blah acids someplace. So if we are looking for something, what, what do we want to be looking for? I think the best thing is we just go to your website. <laughs> well, that is course, why I have the website. Exactly. Yes, but if we want to understand a little, little bit more without being chemists, what yeah. are the things we should look for on that label that might actually well if you're us. looking at the ingredients you have to know this the first four or five maybe six ingredients constitutes probably 90 to 95 percent of the product yeah so after after the fourth or fifth ingredient you don't have to pay much attention sometimes they just add a dab of something to to satisfy the claim of the of the front of the label yeah. so water is almost always the first ingredient and the next couple ingredients, you look for things like humectants. Glycerin is probably the most common. Hyaluronic acid is one. Propylene glycol is one. You also want an occlusive. You need to look for an ingredient in the very beginning that's going to create the film so water doesn't evaporate. Petrolatum is probably one of the most common. Shea butter is another one you might see. That's in here. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. this sounds like a pretty good. Yeah, it may cream. test well. Yeah, how much is to spend for it? $4.99. There you the, go. Uh, in the TJ Maxx. Sounds like file. a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really helpful too. So I want to come back to sunscreen since that's so important. Because um, that gets confusing too. What should we look for? What strength sunscreen do we actually need? Do you need 50? I don't even know how, what they go up to anymore. What, what do you recommend? I recommend the higher the better. Uh, 30 is a minimum. And remember, most people don't apply sunscreen liberally enough to get what's on the front of the bottle. Yeah. So that's why I say apply 30. Apply 30, apply it liberally. Um, and most people don't apply it every three, four hours daily, daily or on the beach every two hours, which is what's recommended. So apply it liberally, get the highest you can get. Um, I uh, Again, 30 or higher on fry face, all the sunscreens are 30 or higher. And um, that uh, water, you know, water resistant is a good good thing to see. Um, also, um, a broad spectrum, all the ones on our site are broad spectrum, meaning they cover the full strength as possible of UVA and UVB rays There's multiple kinds of rays that are damaging from the sun. So a broad spectrum sunscreen protects against the longer wavelength ones that cause the tanning and skin cancer and the shorter wavelength, which causes the burn and this cancer. Um, so that's, uh, that's what I recommend. And a lot of it is personal preference. Yeah. I, I like, for example, right now I've been trying the Avena one, which I just like how it goes on because some of them are so thick. Sure. You just feel like you're having a hard sure. time, but that's, yeah. um, that's one that seems to go uh, on well and makes your skin. And it's so important too. I think you just meant, you know, using them in the winter because a lot of us forget about our hands. And as we get older, that's one of the telltale sure, signs of mm -hmm. age. You know, you, you we've all known women who've had a lot of face work and they've forgotten the hands thing. And it's like uh, not quite the juxtaposition you want. <laughs> there. Yeah. So I think that skin cream on our skin cream on our hands too is so great. So I have. I, I mean, we could be talking all afternoon, but you've got to practice to get back to you. But I did have a couple of other questions I wanted to ask that are sort of a little out of this realm because right yeah. now 
you know, everybody's on social media. TikTok is becoming the biggest influencer for, you know, of course the products you should use. Where else would you go to find what to put in your face, right? But one of them that's getting a lot of buzz on TikTok right now is uh, Trentinoin. And I think it's a stronger strength prescription that people, it was for acne, right? But doctors are prescribing it for women who want to diminish wrinkles. So what what do you know about that and what should we know? Hyper not. Well, so tretinoin is a vitamin A derivative. It's in the spectrum of, um, of retinol, which is the over-the-counter version. It's a precursor um, that becomes, um, you know, they, they, they one turns into the other. Retinol is 100 times weaker, if not more than that. So it's found in the over-the-counter uh, versions of anti-aging creams. Tretinoin is prescription. Um, it was a, a very effective acne uh ingredient. It's also found in the, what we call the gold standard anti-aging cream, which uh, is tretinoin cream. And um, if you look at the studies of, uh, of Renova, that's the uh, prescription anti-wrinkle cream that I think people would consider gold standard. Um, the package insert itself states it's not for Sunday, doesn't reverse anti, uh, you know, aging, doesn't reverse wrinkles, doesn't, you know, um, make you look younger. Uh, the studies on the package insert also show that about 10% of users got a moderate improvement. The problem with tretinoin is almost everybody gets red and inflamed from it. Right. So I'm not saying it doesn't work. And if it does, it may be very minimal. Is this, is this effect significant enough to warrant all that scaliness and irritation, sun sensitivity, maybe problems with, um, with uh, pregnant women using it? I don't know for sure. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's worth the risk, in my opinion. So I have colleagues who say, well, you just use steroids on your face while you're using it for several months to calm down the inflammation. And personally, I have a problem with applying steroids to your face for a cosmetic cream that may or may not do much uh, for long periods of time. So in my opinion, I'm not going to tell you it never works. I'm going to tell you I don't think the, the benefit of the product outweighs the downsides. And then, of course, there's the $400 price tag for most people because insurance doesn't pay for anti-wrinkle cream. So right. I just don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's worthy. I just don't think it's worth the, the, you know, the price, the time, energy, the effort and the side effects. Well, that's great info. And the other, the other last trend I want to ask you about, I guess trend would be the word is collagen powder. And yeah, I, I do supplement. put collagen powder <laughs> in my lemon, my hot lemon drink every morning. <laughs> I've been doing it for about three years. And I, I don't know how you even tell what works and what doesn't. Just, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, first of all, first of all, it's supplements. It's not tested. It's a, it's an over-the-counter, not tested supplement. Collagen is a protein. When you eat collagen, it gets into your stomach. And we have enzymes in the stomach that are called proteases that break down long protein, large proteins. Collagen is broken down into a few amino acids, no different than your chicken or your steak. So by the time it gets into your gut where it's going to be absorbed, it's no longer collagen. It's now tiny little dipeptides and tripeptides, two or three little amino acid groups that have um, that are that may or may not be absorbed. So you don't get absorption of collagen, first and foremost. And I'm not sure there's any difference in those amino peptides compared to having a piece of steak. No, go enjoy a nice meal. You're going to get the same amino acids. Um, so it is, um, it is, it's hype. There's no way you can absorb collagen in its entirety. The gut can't absorb that large a molecule. And like you said, there's absolutely no good double-blinded studies that show the benefits of any of these things. 
<laughs> I think I'll just start eating a steak in the morning. And I love there you steaks. Go. <laughs> steak and eggs, my friend. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. What great. You're just such a fountain and well of wealth of all this knowledge. I can't thank you enough for helping to educate us. And um, again, I want to remind everyone to go to your website where, you, you know, you'll find just a listing of, you know, all kinds of products. So you don't have to be reading all those ingredients. Just go pick one. And <laughs> I think that is terrific. I, also, I, I just want to ask you, too. I mean, what, have you gotten any uh, flack from the cosmetic beauty industry and other dermatologists now that your book has come out? And I I know your website's been out for a while, but. Uh, are they coming after you? I guess <laughs> well, the truth is the bigger the bigger you know uh, companies like uh, well ones that make there are two hundred brands owned by seven different companies and the products the companies that are the products that I recommend they actually come to my office they uh, they listen to what I have to say it's a non paid basis and I, I, the truth is I'm encouraging people to go to those those companies so they wouldn't have any issues with me um, yeah, I, I would, would imagine uh, I have gotten nothing but great feedback mostly from the consumer. I have gotten more than my share of calls from colleagues who have praised my work. Um, colleagues that have said, you have guts. Uh, this is great. You're doing this. I've wanted to do this. You're absolutely right about these cosmetics. You know, my, my colleagues, the overwhelming majority of dermatologists now are selling products. And I truly believe yes. they believe that what they're selling is beneficial. I believe that. I don't think there's any ill intent. But there's very little education as to cosmetic formulation and this kind of chemistry in residency programs. Um, and so I believe they believe what they're saying. I really do. I, I, I think their intent is good. I think they're trying to give a service to, to their patients and they believe what they're doing. Um, but in all honesty, cosmetic chemists have, have, uh, have come to me and said, thank you for telling people this. Um, again, consumers. And, uh, you know, I'm here to educate. I'm not telling anyone not to do anything. I'm just trying to educate and let you as the consumer, I want you to become so mindful of what's out there that you're a dangerous consumer. Remember, exactly. this industry is driven by the consumer. If women didn't buy, buy eye creams, the companies wouldn't make them. The consumer drives this industry. So my goal is to really educate the consumer. I would love to change the marketing of these products. I think marketing should be much more straightforward, much more transparent and uh, based on valid science. Right. And I and hope also that in a means... way that doesn't make us feel bad about ourselves that whole absolutely everything. And you, I, I you know you have to talk about that in your book, too. So if you had one message that you want to people to take from your book, what would that yeah. one message be to women? One message. You're already awesome the way you are. Look in the mirror, say, dear me, I'm awesome. Kindness matters. Health matters. Accomplishments matter. And none of those things comes in a bottle or a jar. A uh, simple skincare regimen is all you need and you don't have to spend a lot of money on it. You just, you just don't. I love that. That is a great, great message. It's so in tune with what we believe at the three tomatoes that we're all terrific and, you know, growing older is not a disease. <laughs> it's a privilege to actually grow older and we all want to look our best, but that doesn't mean we all need to, you know, try to look like we're 20. So I cannot thank you enough. You're a breath of fresh air. And I want to remind everyone again that the Skin Hoax is available at booksellers everywhere. I promise you, you need to have it. You need to have it in your nightstand. It's like the skincare Bible. You're going to go back to it often. 
And I can't thank you enough. And um, also to, a reminder for everyone to go to your website, which is fryface, F-R-Y, face.com, where you can get product recommendations.